Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm here today with a good friend and fellow Australian living over in Louisville, Kentucky, Damien Anderson. Welcome, mate. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries, big fella. Great to catch up again. Last caught up with you over there in Louisville in 2015, but obviously you've been back to Australia a couple of times since then, but has has uh, life treating you over there in the States? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, I'm... Uh, been doing a little bit of everything over here since 2007 when I first moved up, moved over. Uh, I was a graduate assistant at a Division One college, um, assistant coach at high school, um, assistant coach at uh, Bellarmine University, a Division Two college that's uh, that's had a lot of success. Then um, started started a family and and went back to high school assistant and and. Now I'm a high school head coach, so yeah, uh, I've been keeping busy while I'm here and, and loving it. Yeah, nice. So uh, yeah, we want to talk about that journey that you've had. Obviously, yeah, great opportunities over there to coach in the states, but also I want to uh, talk a bit about your playing career and your experience at Siebel level and and some of the things you did over here as a player. So normally I sort of start with the guests that I have. You know, how did you get involved in basketball? And you know, were you a bit of a played other sports as well or Mainly just basketball when you're younger. Younger. No, definitely uh, other sports. I didn't really. I didn't even play club basketball till uh, grade twelve at school. Um, I played rugby. Um, I was, played for Queensland Juniors. Oh, nice. um, league yeah, or union? I'm a. It's actually I'm a league family, um, but I got into union um, a little bit and uh, played with some guys that ended up going on to play for the Wallabies. Oh, nice. Um, so I played a lot of rugby. Um, and then just when I, grade 12, uh, I, I played at school, but school was just, back then was pretty much just a PE teacher that didn't know a whole lot about it, um, being your coach. So um, I could run and jump a little bit. And, and one of the guys on my high school team um, asked me to go and try out uh, at Southern Districts. Um, so I did that and, and we had a, we had a good team that year and won the state championships and just kind of went from there. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so you think, uh, you know, having that sort of background in a couple of different sports, you know, there's a bit of discussion on that from time to time with coaches, you know, like about kids, uh, maybe specializing too early in just one sport. So you think that's, that's like from your point of view, do you think that was good? I, I, it was great for me. Um, whatever was going at the time, I, I'd be into. So um, I actually, I also got invited to the AIS for volleyball back then. Uh, oh, yeah. To be honest, I was really only playing volleyball at school, so I didn't have to play cricket because I just didn't want to be out <laughs> playing cricket all day. Uh, every weekend so I played volleyball and, and our coach was involved with the, the AIS program and I got a scholarship offer but um, volleyball wasn't really my thing but I, it probably helped my basketball game a little bit just with the, the running and jumping and um, the fast twitch stuff so yeah, uh, I, I'm really appreciative that uh, I did a little bit of everything and and when I, when I turned to basketball um, like I said I could run and jump a little bit 
Yeah. Um, but I couldn't shoot. And I guess starting at an older age, I, I kind of didn't have any bad habits from being too young and, and just having crazy form or anything. I kind of learned some pretty good form and um, just worked on that every day and, and eventually got got a little better at it. Yeah, nice. So who, uh, like I suppose, yeah, that's probably a pretty important thing is like who sort of helped you out in those early days when you picked up the basketball and started playing a bit and, you know, just in terms of coaches who might have influenced the way you played and also maybe some of the things that you you do now as a coach. Yeah, well, uh, it was actually my brother that helped me, just kind of showed me how to shoot and, and use some proper form that he'd played a little bit when he was younger. Um, but uh, I was kind of, when I was grade 12, uh, I went down to club and they invited me to the, uh, well, it was, I think it was state league or CBA back then. Yeah. Um, American guy called Dave Britton was the coach in 1991. Uh, and I was in the squad that year and, um, they just told me if I wanted to have a future, you, you better learn to shoot and, uh, and all that. And, uh, Next year, Danny Morsu actually came in and was our player coach. And so I was 18 at that time and, and he was a big influence on, on how I play and I learned a lot from him. And we won the state league that year um, with a lot of Aaron Honeyman, um, some really good players. And I mean, Danny, Danny was a, a big influence, but I got a lot of influence from other players like Aaron um, a guy that I played with, Scott Lloyd, who's still in coaching now. Um, I learned a lot of, from those guys who'd been playing playing longer than me and they were really good teammates and helped me along the way. Yeah, nice. So um, I guess, what, 91 you started and, and you played for quite a long time though, didn't you? Like what was what was that journey like? So I'm looking I, at my notes here. It says 16 years. So must have... Uh, yeah, my last year. Bit. I played a little bit. I was like player slash assistant coach my last year in 2007 with uh, Bruce Palmer back at Southern Districts. Um, I actually tore my knee up pretty badly uh, right at the end of the 2005 season. So I missed all of 2006, which is kind of when I got my start in coaching. I I was assistant to Bruce um, and also coached the Spartans um, youth team. I think it was under 23 team at the time. Um, So that's kind of how I got my my feet wet and I enjoyed it. And uh, I knew from then uh, once I'd fully finished playing, that's what I wanted to do. And then um, a guy that I'd played with in Mount Gambia was, uh, he was working at the university of the Pacific in California and uh, kind of a, a role opened up last minute. Uh, someone had quit like a couple of weeks before the season started and yeah. he, he knew I wanted to get into it. Uh, over here in the States and it kind of just went from there. I, I kind of quit my job and left within two weeks and oh, yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> I don't know myself a lot about like uh, what that graduate assistant sort of role is, but is it uh, just a bit of everything? And I suppose is it, you know, everyone starts somewhere in, in coaching and it, was it, what was that experience like? I guess because I uh, a bit keen to hear, you know, were you making coffee for everyone or was it I know. a little bit more hands-on? No, not like that. Uh, I, I was pretty much what you they, they call a video coordinator these days, oh, yeah. um, break down a lot of film. Uh, back then, though, it's the, like now the synergy and all these um, web-based programs that 
make it a lot easier. Back then, I was having to mail out blank DVDs to send them to other schools to say, can you please give us a co- copy of this game, send it back, all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of stuff like that. And then yeah. when we got the film, break it down and, and help scout and post-game breakdowns and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, couldn't actually um, coach on the floor. Um, could help out during practices and all that stuff. But, um, oh, okay. but yeah, the, the rules over here, there's only three assistant coaches and the head coach, and they're the only ones that are allowed to kind of speak up um, during practice and all that. So, so my input was more like talking to the other coaches about what I saw and, and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, nice. So what sort of happened after that that sort of got you over to, to Louisville and you're able to get involved with, uh, is it St. Xavier there? At, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, when I was in California, um, well, my now wife, we kind of started a long distance thing. We'd met 20 years earlier, oh, oh, not right. 20 years, it's 20 years from now, but we'd met like uh, 1998, I think it was, I I came over about seven years in a row um, when colleges used to be able to play foreign teams um, in their exhibition games. So one year came over and played uh, against uh, Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina and all that. And uh, it's actually, again, I go back to Aaron Honeyman, his sister uh, played with my wife in college um, and they were here. They were there when, uh, I came and played at Kentucky, so I met her there. And then when I was in California, we started a long-distance thing, and I ended up moving over here. And oh, nice. Xavier had uh, – her brother was actually the offensive coordinator on their football team. Okay. And he kind of introduced me to the, the head basketball coach there, and kind of that's what got me over to Louisville uh, with my wife and, uh, and that job there. Oh, sweet. Okay. So I guess, yeah, your first introduction to high school basketball there at St. Xavier, was it a bit different to what you thought it'd be? Or obviously four years must have been a lot of time to uh, have a good look at how things work and, and um, also the, like the athletes and the system and that sort of thing? Definitely. I mean, the, the time that's put into just high school basketball is crazy. Yeah. Um, we would, during the season, it would be six days a week kind of thing, every day after school and then Saturday mornings, um, training, weightlifting, um, a, a little bit of everything, preseason out on the track. Um, it, it was it was definitely uh, a pretty pretty intense, from, from what I'd come from, where it was still a club sport and you might, uh, in Australia, you go to training a few times a week. Uh, a lot of the time, when I was coming up as a junior, uh, there wasn't really um, the uh, intensive training programs and that that they have now through Basketball Queensland. So I wasn't yeah. really ever involved in any of that. Um, so it was all kind of new to me. Um, and just the the amount of kids that play over here, um, it, everyone wants to make the team. At, at St. Xavier, we have – it's a school of about uh, – 1500 all boys there'd be about 80 kids come to tryouts oh, every yeah. year yeah. um for for pretty much like 12 spots so it, it was always uh, pretty intense and i learned a lot those first couple of years 
Yeah, nice. How did the the move over to Bellamine come up? Because that you know I probably want to spend a little bit of time talking about Bellamine. Uh, that's where I was came and saw you over in 2015, and it just seemed like a real you know my I guess experience visiting and talking to you and Coach Davenport was that it was a very uh, slick sort of operation, and and uh, even though it was a D two school, the culture uh, was probably the biggest you know component of of uh, how things work there. Yeah, I mean it is. Well, they're actually moving to Division One this year, but yeah. um, they've been, they've been playing at a Division One level for at least the last twelve years. While uh, Coach Davenport's been there, um, several years they they beat. I know they beat Xavier uh, in an exhibition game one year, and Xavier went to the Sweet Sixteen in Division One that yeah. same year. So, All right. uh, <laughs> while it's a D two school, I, I mean the top twenty five in Division Two. Can beat probably the at least the bottom hundred, hundred and fifty, maybe even two hundred uh, division one schools because there's about right. three hundred and fifty division one schools, and the best division two schools can can beat quite a lot of those. So um, I, I know a lot of people get get hung up on D one, D two, whatever. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of D twos that are better than a lot of D ones. But uh, how that came about, it was just I I'm kind of always looking to learn whether it's books or, or going to observe others coach and all that. So yeah. while I was at St. X, I'd go to um, Bellman practices regularly. I was friends with the assistant coaches um, just from hanging around, got to know Coach Davenport. And uh, one year a role came up and I let him know I was really interested and it just kind of worked out. Oh, nice. Yeah. So obviously you've been, you know, you're, you're pretty instrumental there at, during your time at Bellarmine and, and bringing out players like um, Jeremy Kendall and, and Braden Hobbs. And also, yeah, probably, am I right in saying that uh, Josh Dirksen might have only been the one Australian to go through from, from here to there? He was, yeah. Uh, we had, and he actually, I, I kind of helped Josh come over, but he signed before I was even working there. I, I kind of, right was helping guys both ends. I was trying to help Bellarmine with some Australian guys. And um, I obviously got to know the Bellarmine guys a little bit, even though they'd played before I was I was there. I got to watch Jeremy and, and Braden Hobbs practice a little bit. but yeah. So I knew them a little bit, but uh, I knew they wanted to continue their careers after college. Um, so just tried to help guys as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, nice. And uh, and they owe you some cartons of beer too. We're just going to remind them if they're listening. They do. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> please listen, Braden and Jeremy. Um, you, you know my uh, agent fees were a carton of beer and you still haven't paid up. So That's right. I'll be, I'll be knocking on your door soon. I'll be coming back to Brisbane and to, uh, to Germany <laughs> looking for that. That's right. You're thirsty. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so I guess... What were the, some of the things you learned, you know, just uh, from coaching there at Bellamine? You know, that time you were there, they, uh, I was just looking at the stats, they were 77 and 19 over those four years you were there. So, um, and then three consecutive, you know, Div 2 NCAA tournament appearances. So, obviously, you know, what, what sort of helps a, helps a program like that get that sort of continued success, do you think? Uh, I mean, the, the way they play, it's just... Uh, it's hard to explain that the style of play is just contagious for the guys. And and it's always like a pass first mentality. Um, They will, I think that I I don't know the exact stats, but they've led the, 
the nation or been at least top five in field goal percentage pretty much like the last eight years. Right. Um, so their efficiency is just crazy and it's all about uh, ball movement, player movement, um, taking great shots every time. And, and it just it's just a culture thing there. You can just go watch and, and if someone takes a bad shot, it's almost like the coaches don't have to say anything anymore. It's the other players will be getting on them to say, pass the ball, pass it. And uh, it's just, it's it's really pretty basketball to watch. Some days um, at practice and in games, you just kind of watch them. Man, I'm lucky to just be watching this. Um, it's just really high level of, of basketball and IQ and um, I mean a lot of work goes into it but it just all looks so natural and uh, I mean just the the culture there I think is the main thing of of playing for each other Um, it's always team first never anyone selfish I mean I think I'm not sure if uh, Jeremy he may have been the leading scorer there, but I mean, he, he probably averaged 15 or 17 a game there or something. If he went to any other school, he probably could average like 25, 27, pretty much whatever he wanted. But all those guys that go there just sacrifice for the team and uh, just always have successful teams. We made the, the final four um, in 2015. Um, we only lost three games all year and two of them were to the same team that ended up winning the national championship. So, oh, right. I mean, we were right there and um, it, was a, it was a bit of a controversial game. One of the, uh, the score, the score book was wrong. They had oh, really? a guy, yeah, they had a, a guy um, down for five fouls, but he only, look, for four fouls, it should have been his fifth. It was like, an, we were, we were down big, came back on a big run and, and we just took the lead. And then we had an 11 minute break in play while they, they tried to work it all out. Um, and then we just kind of lost our momentum and ended up losing, uh, losing the game by two. So oh, wow, um, geez. yeah, we were right there that year, which, which obviously would have been great to win the national championship. But Bellman uh, did that with Jeremy and Braden back in 2011. Yeah. Um, so this success has always been there at Bellman. So it was great to be a part of that. Yeah, nice. So uh, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, it was time for you to start a family and congratulations on that. Two young daughters now. So over to DeSales High School Program. So how's that, you know, what's that experience like for you? Um, I wanted to ask you too, do you do a bit of teaching as well as coaching or is it just a, a coaching gig? Uh, no, just coaching right now. I stay at home, look after the girls um, yep. pretty much all day and then we go to, go to training late afternoon. Yep. when my wife gets home from work. So it works out great that uh, I get a chance to spend uh, a lot of time with my daughters. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah. So it's, a, like you say, it's a high school program. I guess I wanted to ask to, you know, like what's the, uh, you know, the kids that are playing in that program, what's the skill level like? So obviously you know what, you know, BQJBC is like, like the Basketball Queensland Junior Rep Program. Is it sort of similar skill level or are they a bit better or much the same? Um, I mean, the the best players are around are really good. I mean, yep. uh, uh, currently our, our best our best player this past year, um, he's grade 11, so he'll be going into his grade 12 year um, next season, but he's about 6 foot 10. Right. Um, he's got some, he's got interest from University of Louisville, uh, Xavier, Cincinnati. Um, 
So a lot of high level programs, Virginia Tech. Um, so I mean, he's six foot ten, athletic. Um, so obviously that makes a huge difference. Now he he came to our school this past year. The year before that, our biggest player was six foot three. All right. So it, it's kind of fun in a way that um, in in terms of coaching that you you get a chance to. I, I'm not. I'm not really a, a system guy where it's like uh, this is what I do and this is how we play. It's like yep. okay, what are the what are the players like that I have this year, and yeah. we adapt to, uh, what we do to to their strengths. Um, so this past year, obviously with the six foot ten athletic guy, um, we could pressure a little bit more and kind of funnel guys, <laughs> funnel them into him, and, and he block a lot of shots. Whereas. The yeah. year before, we were kind of more a, a switch everything and just keep everyone in front because we weren't really going to block anything at the rim. We just wanted to, to make teams take contested jump shots. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's fun in that way. Um, and then being the the head coach, it's it's kind of the head coach of the whole program. So it's the yeah. the freshman team, the JV team. So th- there's definitely a lot of varying skill levels from the younger guys to the older guys. Yeah. Um, so it's good to, to watch the improvement as they, they go through the ranks. Right. So do you coach all of those teams or you sort no, of – No, I don't, like I don't say, coach them all. Yeah. yeah I don't, no, I don't coach them all. Um, but technically I'm in charge of them all. So yeah. JV and, and varsity teams um, usually practice together. So it's uh, we normally have about 16 kids in that practice and then the freshmen, which are just grade nines, um, they'll practice separate to to ours. But uh, having said that, we started a freshman on varsity last year. He was our second leading scorer. Um, So, I mean, it doesn't matter um, what grade you're in. We'll play the best guys, um, whatever age they are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess one of the things too that maybe people in Australia might not sort of realise or understand, just talking about your uh, your big kid, um, the six foot ten boy, they get identified really early too, don't they, over there um, in terms of like even getting looked at in like say grade eight, grade nine equivalent um, if they've got a bit of talent. And obviously, you know, a player like that's got some natural gifts that um, people are going to take notice of straight away. So it's a, it's a very, I would say, I would say long process, but like it starts early, doesn't it? It does. I mean, he had some, he had scholarship offers when he was grade nine. Um, So, I mean, yeah, it it definitely starts early and can be long. Um, Having said that, the the system set up, so they try not to make it too long. Um, Technically colleges can't, um, contact kids directly until uh like about a month i think it's normally june 15th before their junior year so before grade 11 yeah um school starts mid-august so about two months before their grade 11 year starts that's when college coaches can start contacting kids directly now they can kind of contact them different ways like talk to their high school coach or yeah talk to yeah there's little ways around it, I guess, but, uh, that's kind of the system. So usually at the, the, the top players in the country, uh, on that June 15th date before they t- they're going into grade 11, they will usually get calls from college coaches at midnight. 
All right. That's 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 the time that uh, they're first allowed <laughs> to uh, contact them. So yeah. all these college coaches are kind of rushing to to be first in with their uh, with their number one target. Yeah, and and I mean, like from the uh, the players' point of view and their family, like how do they know? what to do like obviously they probably look to you for a bit of advice but yeah it must be a little bit daunting especially like for a kid with with obviously some talent and a good a good opportunity to to, to go on and, and and play it at a high level yeah it must be a little little unnerving i reckon i think so i, I mean a lot of them they grow up so they kind of know how the system works growing yeah, up here yeah um but i mean i know of uh i know families for sure that have had to to change their their kid's mobile number because they're just getting too many calls and, yeah. and they just want it to slow down. So they, they get a new number for for their kid. So they're just not getting calls constantly or texts or yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so some, I mean, it depends on the, the family. Some, I guess, like the attention and love the process and others kind of, just rather be left alone a little bit and, and yeah. go through it at their own speed. But yeah, um, I enough. mean, and that's part of the, the challenges of the college coach too, is, is working out who you're dealing with and whether to keep handing them or, or just back off a little bit or yeah. whatever it might be. Um, just got to be read, uh, read all the signals that you get from the families as well. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So uh, when you got when I got in there, uh, DeSales, um head coach, how did you determine what your coaching philosophy was going to be like? Did you uh, where, where did you start, and uh, how did you put together the program? I mean, again, uh, my start was just trying to learn the players, um, yeah. what they're what they're good at, strengths, weaknesses, that kind of thing. That was kind of my first step, and. and that kind of starts, uh, well, it started, I, th- I got the job in late July and school started mid, mid-August. mid Yeah. Um, and, and you can kind of do anything just as a little background. The rules are you can kind of um, have workouts, do whatever you want. Uh, most of the time, you just can't cut anyone. So pretty much any kid in the school can, can come to the workouts and, okay. and be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and October 15th is the official tryout date, so to speak. So after that, I mean, that's the worst day of the year <laughs> yeah. for me is having to, to tell, you just can't keep every kid, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah. so you have to cut some kids and I mean, schools still have intramurals that so they call them where they still get to play and all that uh, against other kids from school. But in terms of the actual, the sales team, um, have to cut some kids, which, which I hate doing, but it's just part of it. We can't carry too many players. Yeah. Um, but the philosophy was just to, to basically see what I had. Um, and, and I had first year, I had some, some good seniors and, and some good younger guys. So I was just kind of trying to, to work out their strengths and weaknesses and, and then put a plan together. Like I said, it was kind of an ongoing thing. It was kind of funny, like all preseason we'd worked on uh, like downing ball screens and that was kind of a new concept for them. Um, so we'd practiced it a lot. And in the first game we played, it was kind of like five guys that could just shoot and no one really wanted to drive and all this. So we're like, okay, forget everything we've done preseason for this game. We need to switch everything, switch up and down, take away three-point shot, all that stuff. 
Um, and we ended up winning that game and, and against a really good team. But, I mean, my philosophy is basically adapt to the team, adapt to the players and, and do what's yeah. best for them. Um, yeah. I think that they kind of enjoy getting to play to their strengths, obviously. Don't, no one wants to... to to try and do what they're not good at. So we really try and put guys in position to succeed and yeah, um, yeah that's how we do it. Nice. So it, it, I guess uh, yeah, you're uh, a little bit not typically doing what you normally would do at this point in time, but when you, you know, when the, the season's going, um, what's, a, what's a normal week look like for you um, as coach and, uh, you know, just in relation to training and weights and games and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, we, we obviously lift a lot more in the, the off-season and the, uh, the off-season's a lot more individual um, kind of workouts. So we're working yeah. on skill development, all that stuff. Uh, I'm lucky. I've I got great assistant coaches. Um, lucky enough to have a guy that's actually, he's actually been like the trainer and development guy for probably at least seven guys that have played in the NBA and oh, yeah. currently in the NBA. Um, yeah. D'Angelo Russell and Rajon Rondo, pretty much all the guys that have come through uh, Louisville, come through this area. Yeah. Um, Romeo Langford was his most recent one. He's the 15th pick in the draft last year. Um, pretty much all those guys that make the NBA have, have worked with him. So yeah. in terms of a lot of the individual stuff, um, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I sit back and, and watch him work <laughs> with the, the skill development stuff because that, that's what he does and he's great at it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a, an ego guy where it's like, it's got to be me out front, all that stuff. It's, um, that, that's what he's good at. And, um, I, I trust, trust my assistants. So, uh, he does a lot of the skill development stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's all off season. And then during the season, we still do a lot of skill stuff. stuff. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes like it, it'll, we'll usually practice between an hour and a half and two hours, um, during the season. Um, day. obviously the further we get on towards the, the end of the season, it's obviously less than it is at the start. Yeah. Um, but he'll often have like the first 30 minutes just to keep working on skill development, oh, yeah. um, all that stuff. And, and then we get into some team concepts and, and, uh, I guess at that point during the season, it's, um, some scouting stuff, how, what the other team's going to do, how we'll play them, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So are you, are you like a bit of a, more of a um, run some structured sets type guy offensively or are you a bit more of a, uh, you know, motion offense sort of thing where you just mix it up a bit? Again, we, we run some flow for sure, like most Australian coaches. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we do run some of that. Um, but we do have quite a few sets. Again, it's a, a lot of the times where we're playing um, – we're not the most athletic team. So we kind of do run, run sets. We can't blow anyone out by just pressing and getting steals and going in and laying it up. It's got to be more of a, uh, a solid foundation where uh, we, we stick solid on defense, get a stop, get a defensive rebound and then, and then kind of push it. Uh, we'll, a lot of the times we'll push it in the flow, get into the, the ball screen stuff immediately. But then, um, we also do run quite a few sets, um, got very high IQ players and, and lucky with that. Um, I do love X's and O's, so we, we do run some stuff to, to try and get us um, 
some easy shots, our best players in best position, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But again, that comes down to, to personnel yeah. as, as well. Yeah. This coming year, we might be a little more suited, I think, to, to playing a little more free-flowing. Um, so again, I, I'm very adaptable to what we do and whatever will work best for that, that group of kids. Yeah, no, you know, just looking at, I guess, your background in terms of, you know, I want to talk a little bit more later on about, you know, your ability as a shooter when you were a player. But um, I guess, is that something that you, you know, build into the stuff that you're doing with the kids is about sort of shot selection or do you have to spend a bit of time on, on shooting technique or, or both? Uh, both. Uh, I mean, we, we do um, form shooting at the beginning uh, of every every practice um it's kind of what i did as a player i'd spend pretty much 20 minutes before i before i'd do anything out on the court just like three feet from the front of the rim just shoot from there for 15 20 minutes um, just to get everything flowing right uh and we do we do that and we we get up a lot of shots uh in practice um it's a little tougher than college i guess because college a lot of colleges you can have like uh an individual in the morning where you get a lot of shots up and that's uh, and then your team practice you don't in the afternoon you don't really have to do a lot of that stuff because you've already done it but um with us uh kids being in school all day obviously we just do incorporate that into the start of practice get up a lot of shots um and, and then we obviously do talk about shot selection me coming from Bellarmine, I, I probably every now and then I probably feel myself slipping into not giving the players enough freedom yeah. uh, and, and get on them a little too much um, about some some poor shots. But um, I, I kind of I can feel myself doing it more. The more I, I get coaching, I get more and more comfortable with uh, allowing um, <laughs> a, a bad shot here or there. Um, I, I understand. Uh, one of my best friends over here that I coached with at Bellarmine, um, Reese Gaines, he was the 15th pick in the same draft as LeBron. Oh, nice. um, so I, I pick his brain a lot and, and he used to talk about, um, he played at Louisville and, and Rick Pitino used to let him take bad shots just because he knew that sometimes he just needed it to, to get in the rhythm of the game and all that stuff. So... Uh, I'm becoming a little more open to <laughs> some bad <laughs> shots every now and then. I don't love them, obviously, but yeah. um, I can I can understand them. And I'm sure back in my playing days, uh, my coaches had to bite their tongue at, a, at quite a few of the shots I took. So uh, <laughs> I got to get a better feel for that. I think as a coach. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask you as well. Like, do you think there's you know too much emphasis just on the three there, or do kids you know work in that sort of mid range as well? We we definitely do mid range stuff uh, a lot. Some, I mean, uh, we'll take open threes, but we don't. We're we're definitely not a only take threes or layups. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of coaches are. Um, uh, a good on balance mid range to us is a good shot. So yeah. we're definitely not just firing up threes. Um, <laughs> I, I know that's kind of the way the analytics and all that's going, but um, just as a player, I, I mean, I used to shoot quite a few mid-range and if you're confident and, uh, I mean, I think you're going to make a good good percentage. If that's what you work on, um, you, you'll make it in the game. So Yeah, for uh, sure. We, we can 
we work on it and, and we're pretty good at it. Oh, nice. Hey, uh, so also, you know, just with the shot clock in high school, what is it currently? Is it 30? Uh, no, our state doesn't have it. So, oh, no, no shot uh, clock? I mean, that kind of, no, no shot clock. And a lot of states don't. Uh, I know some do. I, I feel like there's only probably between 10 and 15 states that do have shot clocks. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, a pretty big source of frustration for me regularly but i mean that's just that's what's in front of us so there's talks pretty much every year about possibly adding them and uh, and hopefully it does get added at some point some of it is just cost um a lot of schools don't want the cost of having some firstly having someone installing it and then having someone run at each game Mm. Um, so there is no shot clock and uh, I mean just in terms of tactics I I just don't like it sometimes some teams will be up by five points a a team will be down by five in the second quarter or third quarter or whatever and want to go to a zone or something to mix it up and the other team will just stand at half court and hold the ball (laughs) Um, I mean to me I feel like those coaches should get fired yeah. <laughs> firstly like yeah. the importance of winning that particular game shouldn't really be above helping the players get better and developing yeah learn um, how yeah like it's just frustrating and obviously the shot clock would take that away but um it is what it is and mm. that's how we play it all right, fair enough. Yeah, big uh, big adjustment there, I reckon. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. In um, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, yeah, what's been happening with the COVID situation and how have you been? I guess just keeping active, you know, like with your coaching stuff. Uh, I've noticed, you know, like and I've been sort of watching a fair bit of just online, you know, seminars and and coaching clinics and stuff like that. But are you, uh, you sort of getting into that sort of stuff as well? And, and Anything you can recommend that might still yeah, be online somewhere? Some, I've watched some clinics. Um, a, a lot of the, the followers, the people that I follow on Twitter are great. Um, yeah. Basketball Immersion, um, uh, he, he's a great follow and I learn a lot from him. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading Alan Stein's latest book right now. Um, it's called Raise Your Game. Yeah, yeah, had Alan on the podcast a little while ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm reading his book. Um, Just trying to to stay involved with that. We we, uh, are using the the home court app right now um, so we can kind of track our guys doing some ball handling. Not all of them have a hoop at their house or whatever. So the guys that have hoops, we give them some shooting drills. The the other guys, um, ball ball handling drills, some conditioning stuff. So we just try to emphasize, uh, we've been trying to emphasize, hopefully they're, they're living up to it, that uh, when we come back, as soon as we come back, it's we don't want to be plowing into to so much conditioning that this is stuff that they can be doing now and getting in better shape and lifting and yep. and all that stuff. And, and as soon as we get back together, we really want to concentrate on skill development um, because we've lost a couple of months. Um, high school this time of year right now, um, school finishes end of May. Normally June, you're allowed to play um, games. Now, it, just practice games. So we, uh-huh. we'd normally get about 25 games in in June. Yep. Um, and obviously, we're not getting any in right now. So there's a lot of uh, game practice that 
it's really valuable for the younger guys coming up through your program to get those those reps and we're just missing out on that this year so that's a little frustrating yeah um but everyone's in the same boat so yeah um we're just hoping our guys can can uh can beat the challenge and win the challenge of of doing all this stuff on their own yeah yeah and when when do things look like opening up again for for you guys like what's the timeline I mean, we're allowed to, June 15th, we're allowed to start doing some conditioning, um, but only outside, not not actually inside. So, uh, I mean, we can go out on the, the school football field or something, even though I'm sure their season's before ours. So they'll be, they'll be trying to do as much as they can as well on the mm. football team. But we can start conditioning June 15th outside, um, groups of 10, um, with including a coach, so nine players, one coach, just doing some conditioning. Still got to uh, socially distance all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Later this month, uh, I think June 29th, and this isn't official or anything yet, but they may be opening it up to where we can do some skill development stuff inside. Oh, okay. Um, socially distant again. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. So. Uh, it's slowly, slowly opening up. Um, but as far as when we can actually get together as a, a full team and go for it, I mean, that's, that's still way up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not only, uh, you know, COVID going on, but lots of other unrest we see on the news all the time here, um, about what's going on over there in the States. Like, um, what's the vibe like where you are? I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, there's been, uh, a lot of protests in Louisville. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's just not a good situation. Obviously everyone's seen what, kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back and, and obviously it's it's i mean there's not really a good word to use it it was disgusting yeah. so yeah yeah um i mean i i totally understand everyone's frustration and, and all that um but it i mean there's a lot going on and um i mean hopefully I mean, it's hard hard to get justice. Um, there's no justice for him, but hopefully, uh, if it can take steps in the right direction, then uh, that, that'll be a positive out of all of this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you too, big fella. Um, any any chance of you coming over back to Australia to, to, to live or to coach, or you look like your roots are pretty well uh, bedded down over there at Louisville? Uh, I mean, we're we're pretty settled here. I'd never say never, but um, we're actually meant to come back in about uh, late this month for for a month for oh, yeah. uh, yep. to be my youngest daughter's first trip home and to see my parents. Uh, unfortunately, it's obviously been delayed, but hopefully, at some point later this year, uh, we can do that. Um, but in terms of, of moving back, I mean, we we talk about it and. But uh, talking about it and actually doing it, uh, it's a big step. So, I mean, I'd never say never, but um, we're we're pretty happy here right now. Yeah, nice. Is it, uh, and also coming into the summer, it must be uh, warming up a little bit? Yeah, yeah, very hot the last couple of days, um, which is good because we can get outside and and, um, my daughters can can get out and run around a little bit. So it's good that... um, 
the lockdown in the middle of winter would not have been good. Uh, so <laughs> it's good that at least we can get out of the house a little bit and, and, yeah. and play in the yard and, and do some fun stuff outside. Yeah, nice. So I, I did want to talk a little bit about NBL one. Obviously, it, as you probably heard, you know our season was called off as well just before while we were in a bit of preseason there. But I, I guess yeah, NBL one uh, North there was going to be a obviously South was in place last year and there was going to be a Central too. But I guess why that's relevant, you know, like uh, you got you were with Mount Gambier and and. 2003, you guys won the ABA National Championship and a lot of excitement actually across the Queensland coaches that I talked to about getting back to a uh, fully national Australian Championship where you can see who the best team was. So uh, what was that like for you back in 2003? You were with Matt Gambier? I mean, yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, just... To be able to, we ended up playing uh, Ballarat in the final, who were from our conference. So we'd beat them in the conference final, and then um, back then, I think there was, I think it may have only been one wild card, um, and they were uh, our conference had the wild card that year, so they got right. to go to nationals as well. Uh, Southwest were actually there that year um, with Scott Lloyd, Jason Cameron. They had a good team. Um, Canberra were there, had a good team. That year, actually, the the AIS um, probably would have been a, a tough, tough game for us. But uh, a lot of their, at that time, a lot of their players, Andrew Bogut being one of them, um, left a little bit before the the finals that right. started to, yep. to come over to college. So, um, obviously, they would have been really good with, with him playing. Mm. Um but we, we had a good team, um, two good Americans and, and a lot of good Australian players. And we'd kind of been together for a couple of years, um, which I think really helped us. Um, just the familiar, familiarity with each other. Um, and, I mean, I, I love the concept of everyone coming together at the end of the year. Um, mm. A few times uh, earlier in my career when I was at Southern Districts, um, we made it and, and we'd come across, we played Ballarat a couple of times and, and West Sydney and it was just good to play those teams from the other states to see how you, you stack up. Um, we had a couple of wins in those and, and a couple of losses, but uh, yeah. it was always good to play those guys from that you kind of hear about from the other states just to see uh, how you do against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think everyone's pretty excited about it. It's something that I think has generated a lot of interest. And obviously, you know, with the NBL1 you know, branding and the, and the concept, all the games will be live streamed and everything. So, yeah, generating a lot of interest. And hopefully in 2021, the, the competition will get up and running and, and uh, everyone will be involved. But the other thing I just wanted to ask you about too was uh, I had an opportunity to look at your uh, – a YouTube clip with you in there and other people probably would be aware of this as well. Your 75 point game. Tell us about that, about that game. Cause, um, <laughs> obviously a bit of history making there. Yeah. I mean, you're testing my memory now <laughs> <laughs> pretty close to 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, a long time ago, uh, I was a pretty young fella, 20 years old. Didn't, right. still didn't really know. Still didn't really know what I was doing. And, just kind of happened one of those nights. Um, I don't know. I got made a couple of shots early and, <laughs> and everyone just kept feeding me. And 
I mean, I, I was never too shy about shooting. Uh, I was happy to shoot it when they were feeding me, but <laughs> um, just happened to make a couple that night. Yeah, yeah, no. So I'll put the uh, YouTube link in the in the show notes, and we'll see if it goes viral. But I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of people still remember that. So um, that I've talked to, and yeah, it's certainly one of those times where everything went right for you. And yeah, wouldn't you love to be coaching a team where where that happened pretty regularly? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it kind of did happen for us that year uh, a couple of times. One game that year. Um, I still remember Aaron Honeyman had a quadruple double. Uh, oh, really? 51, wow. point, 51 points in it. So, um, <laughs> I mean, that didn't happen too A quadruple double did not happen too often. He had 51 no. points and some crazy amount of assists too. And then he just snuck in with the, uh, the 10 rebounds and 10 steals. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, mate, um, I just want to thank you for making some time to jump on the podcast. Always good to sort of hear how people are going overseas and uh, especially Australian basketball coaches who are getting a opportunity to coach and uh, do what they love. So um, it's great to hear from you. You, you um, yeah, just, I guess from my point of view, just take, take care over there and, uh, you know, like um, we'll catch up again. You're back here in Brisbane, like you say, try to be fairly regularly like do you do you manage to get over like sort of once a year most of the time or you yeah usually at least once a year uh every now and then i've come twice um but every time i try and get get out to see a game um so i was there for jeremy kendall's first game yeah um, nice. big game with the, the broken backboard and all that <laughs> that i've seen you post so i always try and get back to a game and uh actually got back in 2014 for for mighty south sydney rabbitohs grand final win i came home for that so that was good but usually once a year to see family and friends and all that but uh hopefully that'll be able to happen again soon yeah how are the rabbitohs going this year yeah no i don't know what you're talking about we're in lockdown (laughs) over here i haven't heard anything (laughs) <laughs> well i think they're playing again so uh yeah i must say yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked either so i've got no idea uh yeah they lost this morning yeah they oh, lost okay. but uh they'll, they'll come good yeah <laughs> good stuff all right mate well uh like i said take care and uh thanks again for for catching up with me on the on the podcast and uh all the best with your team when you get when you get going so your new season what will be like obviously yeah this this year's finished but what your new season might not start until yes, that, august or something well, we or? normally starts late november the actual oh, okay. season so yeah. hopefully everything will be up and running by then yeah 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 oh well we'll keep an eye on uh, what you're up to and um and and see how your team's progressing over the over the season sounds good i appreciate right, it thanks for having me no worries big fella great to catch up thanks mate Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at ozbballcoach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.